You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. And as what has become a Wednesday tradition here on the Locked On NFL Podcast, Mark Schofield joins us. Mark does work all over the net, but he's also the host of Locked On Patriots. And even if you're a Patriot hater, it's worth tuning in because he has great insight of, of quarterbacks and draft prospects and things all over the league. That's why Mark and I get together every Wednesday. What's going on, brother? What's going on, buddy? Always good to be with you. Um, I know that there are many Patriots haters out there, but you are <laughs> always welcome over at Locked On Patriots. There's something for everybody every single day. Yes, and I, the rest of the network is booming, but I do urge you, even if you're not a fan of the Patriots, that is something you need to check out. So something Mark has been working on, and what outlet is this for, by the way, the landing spots? <laughs> Yeah, this series is over at Pro Football Weekly. Great. The landed spots for my bottom five QBs went up on Tuesday, and the top five guys will go up on Thursday. Okay, so maybe by the time some of you are listening to this, you can go check that out. In a, in a minimum, you can go look at the, quote, bottom five. And your bottom five, surprisingly, are Jones, Stidham, Jackson, Finley, Minshew. What I say surprisingly is Daniel Jones at five. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of with six. you. Don't get me wrong. At six, right, right, right. The yeah. top five aren't even in there. What's the what's the deal with Jones? Let's talk about him first. And where would you like to see him land? I mean, first off, I would love to see him in Oakland. And I know mm. that might be a weird sort of call. It seems like they're loaded up around Carr. They add Brown. You know. They add Williams, and so you think, look, they're going to make a run with what they've got. But if Gruden wants to hedge, if he wants to sort of place a bet on a backup that, or another guy that if Carr doesn't quite pan out the way he's hoping with this new-look offense, he can turn to a rookie and develop him, I think Jones is an ideal fit. I love him in a West Coast system. I think that's where he excels when he's forced to make quick decisions, when he's forced to get the ball out of his hands. In the quick game, that's when his placement is at its best. That's when his decision-making is at its best. And so I love him in that style of offense. And the interesting thing with Jones is, you know, he's a guy that looks the part. He's a guy that people are buying into because of the Cutcliffe connection and all that. But I just have my reservations about him. And this idea that he might go top 10 or, you know, the Giants at 17 or something like that, I, I just don't know. If that's the right sort of value, if if Oakland with their three first rounders, if they want to take the one at 27 and say, look, we're going to get a guy that might not have to play right away. I think that would be an ideal situation for player for team. And so, yeah, he's not in my top five. Now, there's a name in my top five that might not even get drafted. So we <laughs> kind of hint at that. But still, while I expect Jones to get drafted early, I would much rather see him end up in Oakland. All right. You host Locked On Patriots. If we're sitting there late Thursday night and with the 32nd pick, the New England Patriots take Jones, how do you react? Uh, <laughs> somewhat somewhat reserved hesitation, I guess, would be the way to put it. Reserved, hesitant optimism, I guess, because it would be a similar situation. You know, if he's drafted to sort of sit and wait with the 32nd overall pick – I, I can get behind that. I know mm -hmm. the Patriots have a ton of needs. You know, we all look to tight end. We all look to wide receiver. You could look at defensive line as well. 
but they also need to think about life after Tom Brady. And if they don't make a deal for Rosen, if they've decided that, look, our highest quarterback or our second highest quarterback on our board is Daniel Jones for whatever reason because he fits with what they do offensively. And there is something to be said for that. If he's there at 32 and he's their highest graded player left, it's a somewhat of a position of need. And so I would be grudgingly okay with it, I guess. I mean, he's not my top quarterback in the class as we've, as we've established, but right. I'd be okay with it. It wouldn't, you know, devastate me. Now, if they trade up to, say, four <laughs> and do that, well, 16 to get in front of the Giants. It's going to be a keep me away from the timeline type of situation because I might say something I'll regret in the morning. <laughs> I look at Stidham from Auburn and think there's tools there. I'm not sure. He could be yeah. a better pro than college player. Yeah. He's such an enigma. Yeah. Like, you just don't know what you're getting. Are you getting the guy we all saw down at Mobile at the Senior Bowl in Kyle Shannon's hands offense that looks fantastic? Or are we getting the guy that was somewhat miscast in Gus Malzahn's sort of option-rooted offense? Are we getting the guy that ran, you know, Art Bryles's, you know, go-slant-hitch offense at Baylor? Like, what guy are we getting? Because what we've seen on tape isn't that great. And, yeah, Mobile, the Senior Bowl was nice, but which quarterback are we getting? If we get Mobile... Stidham, that would be fantastic. As, mm-hmm. as far as a scheme fit for him, you know, the easy answer would be San Francisco because he gets to play with Kyle Shanahan's offense where he looked great. But I don't think they're drafted a quarterback. They've got three no. in that room right now that they kind of trust. And so I go to Atlanta, and that might be a strange mm. you know, notion off the bat. But when you sort of dive into Auburn's offense, you see a lot of downfield vertical concepts. That's where he was at his best. That's Dirk Cutter. I mean, he's a Coriel disciple. He wants to push the ball downfield a bit. And so if Atlanta's looking, look, they've got Kirk Bankert and Matt Shaw behind Ryan. I don't think any something. of those guys are moving the needle for anybody. So if they're looking to upgrade at the backup spot and potentially develop a guy that might have to come on someday that might fit Cutter's offense, did it make some sense? That might be the worst backup situation in the league. It's not great. Yeah. I mean, we no know what Matt Shaw is and Kirk Bankert. I don't think he really got too many people excited when he came out. And so they probably need an upgrade. This Look, in today's NFL, you need a backup plan. You know, guys get hurt. Stuff happens. And, you know, we see this with teams like the Eagles. You know, Wentz goes down, Foles comes in, and they make it work. So you need to have a backup plan. If Matt Ryan goes down week three, what happens to Atlanta as constituted right now? I don't think people bet on Matt Schaub to, you know, strain out some wins for him. And so they might need a backup instead of make some sense. And Ryan's not young. You know, I mean, it, yeah. you know, I, I like Ryan an awful lot. That's not. That's, yeah. Oh, I do. The there wouldn't be to sort of replace Ryan. Of course. Ryan, I think, is if he's not a top five QB, he's just on the fringe. And so mm-hmm. this is more this is to more replace, you know, Matt Schaub. Okay, next on the list, what if the Bills, and I have not read your article, so if I get this right, great, but what if the Bills kept Jackson in Buffalo? That's an interesting one because there is a lot of similarity, you know, play style between Josh Allen and Tyree Jackson. Yeah. And, you know, you can look at, and you could even make the case that if Josh Allen goes seventh overall, why isn't Jackson getting at least some day one love? I mean, that's an interesting debate to have, and maybe we can have that at another time. Buffalo's an interesting fit. I went with Carolina. Ooh, I like and, that too. You know, again, downfield vertical passing offense. We know that's what Noah Turner loves to do, but they incorporated some RPO type stuff, some zone read type stuff to play to Cam Newton's athleticism. He's coming off the shoulder. You don't know, again, if he's going to come back. And behind him, you know, you have Kyle Allen and you have Taylor Heineke. 
That's another one, an awful backup, backup situation. situation. And if you don't know what you're going to get from Newton, if he's going to be slow coming back, you get a guy that can run a vertical offense that's athletic enough to replace some of what Newton does in the sort of athleticism portion of the offense. I think that would make some sense. I'm, I kind of kept saying, how about Bortles to Carolina? And I don't like Bortles at all, but right. he could get me out until Cam gets healthy. We can run him. I mean, give me a, maybe there's some upside still there. But, like, they did yeah. nothing. That's a little odd. It's like Atlanta a little bit. Like, you can't yeah. just totally ignore these things. No, I mean, again, you know, if you sit down and look at an NFL roster, and it might vary from team to team, but you rank the positions, you know, starter and backup on both sides of the ball, how quickly do you get to backup QB? Right. I mean, it might be your 11 offensive positions, some defensive positions mixed in, and then you probably get to backup QB quicker than you'd expect. And so – you know, all these people out there, some people say, look, what's the sense of drafting a quarterback if you don't think he's going to start for you right away? Well, it just takes one awkward hit, one missed protection, and that backup quarterback is starting for you pretty quickly. Right. And you <laughs> always need to look to upgrade that position because, let's face it, if you don't have a plan B and your starter goes down, you're looking at a lost season, and that gets people fired. No doubt. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but with all the outlets you work for, maybe you should do it. Actually, don't because it's a terrible exercise. Okay. But my 10 years at ESPN, I want to say probably five of those off seasons, probably every other year, they asked me rank the 32 backup quarterbacks. And some of them aren't obvious. You know, you just draft the guy who's a starter, who isn't. But it's awful. I mean, you said you didn't actually do it. We just named two really bad ones. Could probably come up with five to ten other really bad situations. It, it's nasty. I mean, I think the starting quarterback situation in the league is pretty good right now. Backups are horrible. Yeah, I mean, you could look at most teams, and I feel I feel like they would tell you that they're pretty comfortable with what they've got in number one, mm-hmm. or at least but optimistic, the, or you know, yeah, right. cautiously optimistic. You know, most teams would probably tell you as far as number two goes. Man, Who knows? You know, it, what's that old Marcha Broder line? Look, if 18 goes down, we're effed, and we don't practice effed. You know, I mean, <laughs> right, right. And there's some logic to that. Hey, if Rodgers gets hurt, we're not going to win this year anyways. Right, you know, and you can say that about some other teams like Brady. You know, sure. Brady goes down. Well, New England's probably not going to make the kind of run they're expected. But for a lot of other teams, like if your guy goes down and you get a decent guy around him, I mean, look at the most recent example. I mean, Dallas. They have Robo go down. They trot in a fourth rounder because of the situation around him, what they're able to get from him, they still make a run. Mm-hmm. And so there's value in the backup position and addressing it. And it's not the sexiest pick ever. I mean, nobody's going to really truly get excited like, oh, we drafted this guy on early day three and he looks to be a fantastic backup quarterback. Like, it's not going to move the needle buzz wise. But if it comes to be, say, October, November and QB1 goes down, and QB2 steps in and plays well, you're going to be looking back at how you thought on draft night and think, well, you know, maybe I sort of undersold this a bit. Right, right. And to me, the yeah, if your star goes down and you miss a season with him, you're probably not going anywhere. But if he's only going to miss three games, four games, and you can go 500 with an adequate guy and, re, you know, reel it in a little bit, that is extreme value as opposed to, hey, we just punted all of November and now we're out of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, that gets, like I said, that gets people fired. The difference right. between, you know, nine and seven and 10 and six or even 11 and five in that sort of scenario might be watching the playoffs and in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Go to Pro Football Weekly and actually Mark and my timeline. I just retweeted this article to read the other two, his, his ninth and 10th guys. We're going to be back with the top five here in a moment. All right. Um, can we skip over 
Kyler Murray. He's your number yeah. one. I'm going to whatever. Sarasota, like we we all yeah. we all know, right? It's a done deal, dude. Yeah. Come on. I mean, unless someone blows him away. Okay. So let's talk Haskins. And I think you used the term "he's a battleship" a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and I, I'm going to use that a lot. I love it because that's what he is. I mean, I think he's a more talented left witch, you know, just a right. bruiser in the pocket. But you better protect him. Yep. I go with the Giants here, and I would have felt. Let me stop so you real quick, Mark. Because yeah. I've been asked about the Giants so many times this offseason. What do they do? And they have no idea what they're doing. They traded Odell. Why are they keeping Eli? They shouldn't have drafted Barkley last year. You know what, though? I think that's a pretty good – I've been using the term nest. I think that's a nice little nest for a rookie quarterback to fall into right now. Yeah, because – Behind let's, Eli. You let's know. sort of look at them right now because they've got Barkley, which is going to – Whomever is taking the snaps this year and next, Barkley is going to be a huge help. They have Solder and Hernandez, and maybe Solder doesn't get people excited, but you know he's a you know decent left tackle in the National Football they League. Zeitler Hernandez, now. I think, is going to be a fantastic guard in this league. Now you get Zeitler, mm-hmm. and so maybe a, you know if you draft say Haskins at six, you maybe Jonah Williams at seventeen, and you can maybe put him in the right tackle spot. And now you're you're doing okay there up front. So you are going to have to protect them. You added Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, along right. with Barkley. Right. It's not the worst set of weapons. And if you are going to run Eli out there week one, at some point, Haskins' mental approach is going to acclimate him to life in the NFL fairly well, I think. And look, Schumer, he don't wants, they're going to want to do stuff off of play action, skip some deep shots after off of play action. Haskins can give you some of that. Yes, there are some mechanical things to clean up. There are some placement issues, particularly in the downfield game, that don't need to clean up. But I don't think these are fatal flaws. And so I definitely like, you know, I was just at the gym. I was looking up the TV. Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, they both have Haskins at six to the Giants. I think it makes a ton of sense. A dark horse landed spot for Haskins would be Cincinnati. Yeah, I was glad you said that. Yeah, and, you know, look, they've gone sort of the reverse route here. The route is usually draft the rookie quarterback and then fire your head coach, get the young head coach with the offensive background to work with them, right? McVay, Nagy, all that stuff. Well, they've got Dalton in there. They bring in Zach Taylor, the offensive mind who's worked with McVay. If they want to, say, run it one more year with Dalton but have a guy waiting, now you bring in the guy that played at Ohio State just down the road, Haskins might make some sense. They might have to go up and get him. It would be an un-Bengals move, but maybe the Bengals would do something like that. I also don't think that's a horrible landing spot. I mean, I think sitting behind Dalton and Eli could benefit a youngster. That line in Cincinnati isn't great, but right. Mixon, I think Mixon's going to be girly this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be sort of a similar type situation where you know they're going to be focused on the ground game, and yes, that's going to get some people in the data world upset, but... If that's what you have at your disposal, then you play with what you've got. You play to your strengths as a roster. And so they'll focus on the ground game. They'll do some play-action stuff, fill in the offensive line best they can. I think, you know, I wrote Haskins, but I think either, you know, I mean, wrote Haskins to New York, but Mm -hmm. I think either the Giants or the Bengals would make sense. If you're the Giants GM, he's sitting there at six, and there's not a boat. I mean, the the usual suspects are off the the board. I'm doing it. Are you? Yeah, I'm doing it. I can't wait another year. That being said, look, I wouldn't rule it out that they go BPA at six, BPA at seventeen, value pick a quarterback at thirty-seven. Like that Jones or one of these other names. Like we're a gonna Jones get to. if he right. falls, a Greer, Greer right. a Stidham if he's there. 
Like get somebody or trade back okay. up to the end of the first. Yeah, or do something like that. And then yeah. that way, look, you've got Eli, and yes, you know, whatever you want to say about Eli Manning, like you can run about there. You've got a year or so to develop this next guy, and maybe look, you get you catch fire with this kid, whoever you draft the value pick, and you realize, look, we we got a guy. This is going to work out. Or if it doesn't, chances are, if that's the situation, both Eli and the value pick go bad. You're going to be at the top anyway, so you could draft two or Herbert next year. I think there's a lot of room for error with Drew Locke, and his landing spot will be highly influential, as it always is with every quarterback. Yeah. But what's a good spot for him? He scares me. I, uh, he scares me a bit. I mean, he's still my QB three because you get the mm-hmm. arm, you get the potential. There's the ceiling, but this is might be you know the, your prototypical like high ceiling, low floor type of guy. Where in the right situation. This could be a great pick. In the wrong situation, this could be awful. I wrote the Chargers uh, hmm. under Rivers, vertical offense. Again, you get Tyrod in. We talked a little bit about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago about how you know the Chargers might be a good fit for him because he can learn. They like to do some stuff downfield. You know, a sort of dark horse pick would be Tampa Bay. You know, yeah, wouldn't have to play right away behind Winston. If Arians, similar to the Gruden and Carr situation, wants to get a potential hedge just in case it doesn't work out. Obviously, if it's Patrick is gone, you don't have that fallback plan. The vertical pass and offense, I think that obviously fits Lockett. So Tampa Bay, a dark horse, you know, second option. But, you know, I think the Chargers or the Bucks would make some sense for Lock. Bad landed spots, though. I mean, that's what next. I'm not sure about this Denver thing. Right. I mean, you're looking at how they run a run under center. I bet Elway likes it. Off of outside zone with Flacco. That's not true Locke's game. What about Cincy? Cincy could work. I mean, similar to the Haskins situation, Cincy could work. I mean, you're looking at what we're going to expect to see from a Zach Taylor type of offense. It's going to have that McVay influence, a lot of space and concepts, a lot of horizontal stretches with some deep shots down the field along the boundary. That's kind of the skill set that Locke brings to the table. And so I think that could work as well. Uh, That's a good call. Yeah. Again, I hope he sits. Don't you agree? Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, at least Denver would probably sit. People have comped him to Mahomes like a poor man's Mahomes. And I understand, look, Mahomes is the catchy name you want to compare people to. But I hope his eventual coach and GM go the Mahomes route and say, welcome to the team. Here's your playbook. See you next fall. Like kind of that kind of situation, like sit, learn, watch, absorb. And I know eventually these guys have to play, but he's a guy I want to see sit just for a little bit. I mean, you obviously know who Matt Waldman is, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And his rookie scouting portfolio came out April 1st, as it does every year. Oh, yeah. And it's awesome. And everybody – everyone should check that out. Um, and he compares Locke and Mahomes. And I don't want to put words in Matt's mouth because he says it better than I do, but basically says, yeah, they kind of look the same walking in the room and maybe you can squint and they throw the football close because they're great at it and they're big and strong and they're athletic. But one of them has an innate feel and foundation, and one of them's kind of a house on shaky ground. You know what I mean? He basically – he comps Mahomes to an absolutely incredible jazz musician. Like a guy that it just has everything going for him. I was going to go there, but I knew nothing about music, so I didn't know how to yeah, say I, that. <laughs> that's this is one of the reasons why Matt is so fantastic. Right, he takes like an outside discipline and like compares football to that, and it's fantastic. And then he basically calls Drew Lock Kenny G. 
which is just like it's like sugary. It's superficial. It looks great. You might not bop your head to it a little bit, but it, see, I'm such yeah. an idiot. I would sit there and be like, Kenny G sounds pretty good to me. I don't know anything. Yeah, I mean, that's just <laughs> right. because he's like a trained musician. He knows that, like, look, you know, Kenny G sounds great. It gets played on the radio, but there's right. not a lot behind it. And I think that's such a fantastic comparison. And look, Matt, it sounds I like Britney Spears compared to an opera singer. You know, exactly. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. It. You right. Know, it's like. You know, an actual trade musician versus, you know, something you're going to – a one-hit wonder type situation. Right. And look, we all love Matt. His, his RSP, which is out now, I, I've skimmed through the quarterback stuff. You know, he does not like Locke. He does not like Jones. Um, mm-hmm. So he's kind of in line with our thinking on him. Again, I, I'm obviously higher on Locke than Matt is just because you can see the high ceiling there. But yeah. every time the RSP comes out, it's one of those things where I look at it. I'm like, man, what did I miss? I missed so much of this draft class because Matt does such a good job with it. Yeah, he's great. Everyone should check that out for sure. Um, Another quick break, and then we're just going to wrap this thing up with your last two, which is actually four and five on your list. Because I don't think you and I have talked about these two players, so I want to get scouting reports, why they're as high on your list, and landing spots. So we'll just do a whole segment just on these two quarterbacks. I think you guys have to tune in for this because these guys might be better than they're given credit for. We'll be right back. Your fourth guy, and I assume this is who you mentioned earlier, was maybe won't get drafted, yep. is Boise State's Brett Ripon, And yeah. he's gaining steam, and I can see why people like him. Let's start with like a scouting report. Tell me pros, cons. What do you like about him? All right, you know, quick elevator pitch on him. I think he's like the refined, experienced, veteran, smart, wise quarterback in a class that like might lack that kind of guy. Okay. Might have just two, Hemant Finley, for example. You know. Pocket toughness, involvement in pre-snap phase, manipulates defenders with his eyes extremely well, You know, very accurate to all levels of the field. And he could even get better in that realm, but it's workable accuracy right now to all levels. You know, Short, intermediate, deep, great understanding of leverage and things like that. Very tough in the pocket, stares down the gun barrel. Ben Fennell does work for NFL.com and other places. You know, had a video thread on him this past weekend, you know, showing some plays of him. He is getting that sort of buzz on the outside. You know, I've got him QB4. I thought I was high on him. Matt's got him QB4, but seems even higher on him than I am. You look around like the Kyle Krabs of the world, the Ben Solaks, the Derek Clausens, people on the outside, the draft Twitter world just seems to love this kid. I mean, you dig into draft Twitter and you'll find people that even have him as high as QB1. But wow, then you take I'm a step back. That. You know, and you look at no senior bowl invite. You know, he was a throw-in quarterback at the combine, which doesn't, you know, usually tend to give credits to a guy going early. You look at, say, a, a Greg Gabriel. You know, you mentioned the Pro Football Weekly Draft magazine. I love the kid. Gabriel doesn't list him as a quarterback. He's not even one of the seventeen he lists. Hmm. And so there seems to be just this wide chasm with, with how people view him. People more in and around the league, for example, like. You know, the Senior Bowl scouting department and Greg Gabriel and Russell Land, for example, who now does scouting work with the CFL. You know, he scouted 15 quarterbacks and he and I had a conversation where he's like, he's at the bottom of my list. I don't know. Am I missing something? And so I'm very curious to see where he goes. I would start banding the table for this kid third round. You know, look, Patriots have three third round picks. That's my fit for him. You know, I, th- I think New England, time and rhythm-based offense, smart, heady quarterback who's accurate. I mean, does that remind you somewhat of somebody that might be playing in New England right now? And so they've got three third-round picks. If he's there, I want them to take him. But it's a chance where he might not hear his name called until like the 200s 
or you might not get drafted. So <laughs> I'm fascinated. Like the weaknesses with him, there's an arm strength question. I think he's checked that box. You look at some of the film and he makes some of those, you know, what's the old, you know, you don't know this, Matt, the old standard. Can he throw the deep out with velocity? Well, he's got, he's done that. Mm-hmm. You know, he hit 59 on the gun, hammering the next guy we're going to talk about. But I think you sort of throw that out. But on the film, I think he checks the box. But there are other instances where maybe the velocity isn't there. He can make some boneheaded mistakes at times. I mean, you look at a picky throw at the end of his bowl game, his junior year, right before halftime. They've got a 27-7 lead. They just had a fumble return for a touchdown. They were going in to make it 31-0 against Oregon. They had a fumble return for a touchdown. He gets him into the red zone with 24 seconds left, throws a disastrous pick six. And suddenly it's 24-14 at the half, when it could have been 38-0 for all you know. And so he makes some mistakes like that. And sometimes when he makes a mistake takes him a while to come back from it and finally hand size we always joke about qb hand size day right oh it doesn't matter whatever he comes in at nine inches just like mahomes just like Locke. the difference is when you see that measurement you see that number you go back to the film and with Locke, you watch his game against arkansas his last regular season college game it's rainy it's windy it's all that stuff no problems but then you watch ripping he played a boise yeah he played a boise he played in some weather for example the Mountain West Championship game against Fresno State, it was cold, it was rainy. Early in that game, he, he rolls out and he has this awkward-looking attempted pass that's ruled a fumble, just like falls out of his hands. A couple of years ago against Wyoming, 28-28, they're number 13 in the country against an unranked team. It's tied, it's late, four minutes to go, they're in their own red end zone, backed up, doesn't really get hit, just kind of gets nudged a little bit and the ball pops out of his hand. And so it's one of those situations where you see hand size and you're like, well, let's go back to the film. Does it cause him fumble issues? Does it cause him issues in the weather? And with Rippon, you've seen him that it does. And so the NFL might not like that. And sure. so you put that together. There are reasons I don't think you – know, there are reasons I think the NFL might be down on him. But if I were in the room, gets to be the third round and you need a quarterback to sort of groom, that's me banging on the table, screaming at people like draft this guy or I walk. I'm going to fire everybody under me like that kind of situation, throwing binders around, screaming at people like I'm, I would go to bat for this kid in a heartbeat. Especially if you're in a warmer weather climate or you don't deal with a lot of weather necessarily. I mean, yeah. you know, you're a dumb makes team. My, or, makes you know. my New England fit look awful, but you yeah. Know. But hey, I mean, stylistically, no, it's a good fit. Stylistically, it's a good fit. But I think that's a great point. I mean, look, if you're a team like, say, the Chargers – you know, and you don't need rivers right away. Or if you're a dome team, like if you're New Orleans, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. there could be Atlanta. some situations where it could work. Atlanta, another good one, yeah. So, look, I'd be in the table for the kid. Some other people seem to be excited about him. Maybe the NFL doesn't like him. Again, just fascinating to watch him where he gets drafted on draft time. If he gets drafted. Right. I think he will, obviously. I but think it, so, too. But stranger things have happened. For, I mean, I yeah. remember being in the table for some other quarterbacks, and suddenly it's like, like Taylor Heineke, I liked him when he came out. Suddenly he signed as a UDFA. My hunch is somebody's going to take him in the late third, a smart team, you know, maybe the Patriots. I'm a team like yeah. that. My also hunch is Will Greer from WVU could be, I'm not saying he's this year's Lamar Jackson, but he could be the guy that a team trades into the late first round to grab so they have him for five years. Maybe it is the Giants. You know, one of those early teams in the second moves up a handful of spots, grabs them. Highly accurate. I've watched them a fair amount. West Virginia, is, it's an hour and a half from here, WVU. Right. Um, partied there a few times growing up. And I can not see. Not a bad time. No, not a bad time. They like to burn couches. Um, 
What's your thoughts on Greer? Obviously, you're pretty high on him, too. Yeah, I mean, I've got him five. We mentioned Waldman. He's Waldman's QB1. I mean, he, he's oh, yeah. a fun, fun quarterback to watch. You know, I, I think appropriate aggression is a good way to describe him because – at times he'll take some risks and right. like when you're watching it say live, you're like, why in the world did he throw that? He threw that in the middle of five defenders and then you sort of rewind it, look at the decision. You're like, oh, well, he knew these guys weren't getting there. He knew the coverage. It was a risky throw at first blush, but it made a ton of sense upon looking at it again. No fear about throwing it over the middle. We'll throw it at all levels. When I hear appropriate aggression, it reminds me of a team that has a tricky quarterback situation to sort of deal with. And they've been, I think, at times hamstrung by some quarterbacks that maybe don't take the kind of risks that they should. I mean, you go back to a Kirk Cousins and then now with Alex Smith in that situation. Hmm. And yeah, they've been in Case Keenum. You have Colt McCoy. But I think if you've got an offense like Jake Rudage where you scheme some stuff and you scheme some opportunities to the boundaries in the middle of the field and deep to take some riskier throws, but they should pay off. And you've got quarterbacks that might not want to do that. Go get a guy that does it. And so I look at Washington and then say – Maybe they don't need to draft a guy at 15. You can address some other needs, like whether it's a DK Metcalf or a wide receiver or something. You know, get Plenty some help. Needs, right. Yeah, and then you got to pick at 46. Maybe you package that with one of your two in the third, or one, you know, a fifth and a sixth as well to go up to say early in the second, or like you said, Matt, even late in the first. Yeah, and you might get, get him at guy. 40. Yeah, or maybe even get him in the middle of the second. Yeah, like if he's sitting it's in the middle of the second, yeah. you grab him. I think he makes some sense because you don't. I think you have to look at the Alex Smith situation as a smart organization would and assume the worst and just say, look, oh, yeah. horrific injury. Who knows what he could be if he could even get cleared to play again? And, and I don't think anybody's thinking the case Keenum and Colt McCoy are the future of this organization. So I think you've got to at least hedge a bit this year. And then maybe, who knows, you draft him. Alex Smith actually pans out and you do get him back. Well, then you can move on from McCoy or you can move on from Keenum. And now you've got both Smith to help groom yet another quarterback like he did with Alex Smith. And again, a quarterback that is known to be aggressive like Mahomes was, but might need to learn to dial it back a bit like Smith tends to do. And I hate to sound coarse, but if Alex Smith was healthy as a horse, I'd be in the quarterback market. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I no, he's not getting any younger. I don't think he's that great. He's, he's like, okay. Yeah, you know? he's fine. But he, Look at how it ended in Kansas City. This was an incredibly talented team that seemed to run into a bit of a hard ceiling here where he could only take them so far. Yeah, exactly. I like that fit a lot. Um, folks, thanks for tuning in. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast, Locked on NFL, or Locked On Patriots, for that matter. Mark, you are the man. This was a blast. Always, my friend. Love these Wednesday chats. Always a ton of fun. We could go for hours. And, you know, maybe someday this summer we'll just record a six-hour pod and people can listen to it on the drive south or something. <laughs> I like it. They, the time goes by too fast. It does, man. Uh, folks, I will be back again tomorrow with Mike Sando, as usual. That's also a great conversation. Over and out.